So now we find ourselves at the second phase of this great undertaking. We open the country to a permanent migration of Jewish families. To be clear, the Homestead Act involves voluntary participation in the program, correct? How could it be otherwise? We are planning for the upcoming visit of the German minister. I wanted to see your face when I gave you this. You had no right. The man is a Nazi. Charles Lindbergh is a hero. Do you understand what you are going to do to your reputation? You're ghetto Jews. Narrow-minded ghetto Jews. Don't ever talk back like that ever again. You're a dictator. You're worse than Hitler. Daddy! Everywhere he goes, Hitler beats down and shoots the Jews. There may be a time when he comes here. To America to beat down and shoot us. And what will our president do then? This is not an evil man. of the after credits the plot against america special edition the homie jack what's good man what is up part four baby um i don't i don't think i'm gonna have to put my mask on or whatever because you know we're not in the same um place but (laughs) i might put on for dramatic effect later I have mine now. Gonna be getting them every day. I'm gonna stockpile my own used. Oh yeah, masks. I got your new mask and shit. Oh. Mask gang. So we get one every day at work now. So I'm like, well, I'm gonna breathe into it for eight hours, and I'm just at work. So just save them, and then I can just like use it for a grocery store trip, and then kill it. Because dude, I don't know if you've been to the store lately. It's like most people are wearing masks, and I don't have a sewing kit. I'm not making one myself. So it's like maybe I don't look like. The crazy one out here not wearing a mask, throwing yeah. these work ones on. I was gonna go to Dollar General earlier, but I probably just saved that to tomorrow because I need to get shampoo and I'm probably need to run the food line because I haven't been in a while. But yeah, I've heard like certain places are only letting some people, or, like so many people in, but I haven't heard that here in Greenville. So God knows. The lady just went on a Trader Joe's run today, so they're impl- or, uh Enforcing the 10 or less rules, so only 10 people in the store at a time, and then you're standing wow. in line six feet apart from each other outside the store. She said it took her two hours to go to Trader Joe's. Yeah, that's that city life, boy. I ain't, hmm. Yeah, and then at Harris Keeler, there's the six-person self-checkout. No one gives a shit. I'm like, <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you said it, man. So, uh, you guys remember to rate, like, comment, subscribe, tell a friend to tell a friend. Um, all the links and all that stuff is going to be in the bio, the description, wherever you checking this out at, on wherever you do listen to this. Um, I got that April Fool's uh, playlist in there for you guys or whatever, you know, for the new hip music or whatever. I know, you know, Jack's not really hip with the music, but you know. As long as you got that Cardi B in there. Hey. Corona! We got, oh, oh shit, I gotta put it in there again. Good lord, I'm glad you brought it up. 
Oh, Take down those notes. Think I'm not hip with the kids. <laughs> hey, man, you, you, you don't even know what you don't even know how to tussie slide, so you ain't doing nothing yet, man. Uh, yeah, fair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are back at it, part four. As you said, the plot against America. Like, um, I was gonna watch last night, but I started drinking, and I was like, you know what? This isn't the show to drink to. So, look, low key. I've taken some notes, a little bit tipsy. It was it was difficult, but I got my notes down. Oh no, that's different. I got drunk. I was fucking playing Tevin Campbell till like three this morning. <laughs> oh, I think I did catch a snap there. Yeah, I was like, I, <laughs> I, I was like, it was like, let me let me snap people or whatever. But I didn't want to bother and wake no one up and shit. Then I got woke up this morning because my doctor called me because they're doing calls instead of visits, and I forgot that was today. Well, actually, at least that's a good thing they're doing. Yeah, he was like, you know. He put my age out there and everything, whatever. He was like, you know, just you good from last year. And I was like, well, I mean, just allergies suck. But besides that, you know, it's like Corona <laughs> suck. I was like, how's your job going? He was like, he's like, oh, I see people here and there, but I've been calling a lot of y'all. And I was like, I was gonna oh. say, you're on the phone with me if that tells you anything. Yeah, like <laughs> one, of the, one of the one of the like receptionists or whatever set that up last week, and I forgot all about it. He was like, so like I just woke you up. I said, oh, you did. <laughs> He was like, he's like, I definitely remember your voice sound like that. I was like, nah, this is my first wake up voice. I sound like a whole thug. Yeah, I'm sure you're the first one he just woke up. Probably. <laughs> Everyone at quarantine. <sighs> yeah, we're say, we ain't going to get into my, my doctor and my terrible allergies right now. We're going back to September 1941. Post-summer. So we started. Yeah, I say, yeah we, we, we're out of the summer. We're in the fall season, man, and we talked last episode about there being a funeral, and we now know who passed away. Well, actually, a couple of people passed away this episode, shit. Yeah. Uh, so, when they first said Dora Finkel, did you assume, or did you catch it immediately? Um, I knew it was Grandma. Yeah, like, I had a feeling it was Grandma. Like, I mean, we literally just spoke about her last episode. I didn't see death, and like we said, neither of us have read this novel, so, you know. Did you remember that Ev's last name is Finkel, though? Because that part totally I didn't, but we did hear it a lot this episode. A lot more this episode, for sure. Also, Winona Ryder in that all black or whatever with the, with the joint. I mean, she's. Uh, I'm, I'm going to just say that. But, you know, she she was out there getting her tears off of this joint, man. I, I will say the veil was part of what gave it away. It was like, oh, yes. clearly it's associated with her, so. And we knew it wasn't um, Rabbi Banglesdorf for whatever. <laughs> he ain't got, he he might, ain't got no he lady might, to left. He might be next. Ooh. Ooh, who knows? It's an early hot take. Hey, I'm just saying. <laughs> he, he he pushing it, boy. He is pushing it. He's He's got the protection, bro. Well, he knows all the people out there. Well, you, you, well, that was good. Well, he talks, that well, was he good. talks or whatever. Because he talks so slow and ominous. So. Like, he, he, he gives me, he, he gives me like the old black people or whatever that used to be like whenever I'd go and hang out with you know, my grandma in the summer times, like the surrounding neighbors, they would talk slow but so wise at the same time. It's crazy. And I didn't realize that. I was young and stupid, wanted to play video games. 
It's just a little bit of that southern drawl. Yeah, he really does got a lot of southernness in him. Well, yeah, it's South Carolina. It's that whole southern drawl. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Because he, he did talk about his daddy, too, this episode. Oh, yeah, he gets into it. <laughs> um, after they leave the funeral, we get uh, Herman and Philip at a bakery. Did you see who were at the bakery, though? Oh, uh, well, I know now. Black people. <laughs> Hey man, I think we see we're on like episode four. I think this is uh, the last three episodes with black people. Hey, you know why are I mean, they always at the bakery? What's that about? Hey, well, hey, I, <laughs> what, what did I tell you? Whatever about would you go to a certain restaurant and they want black people cooking in the back? Hey, <laughs> I'm just saying. Well, you know, up there the Jewish bakeries are the are the tits. You know, they always talk about like uh, getting bagels up there. It's all Jewish run. Oh, wow. Plus, they talk about the New York City water is better. Who the hell knows? I don't know. I also think it was at this point where Philip asked about, you know, Alvin. Yes. But does he call him, like, Cousin Alvin or Uncle Alvin? It's Cousin Alvin. So um, Herman mentions to the baker guy that he's going to visit Alvin in Montreal. And, um, he, you know. The baker's very nice to him, you know, the fact that his mother-in-law just passed and that his uh, nephew's going through hardship and he's going to go up there and travel, gives him a little bit extra, tells him he doesn't need to. He's like, no, no, no. Let's, yeah, take care of each other in the community. Yeah, yeah you know, I'll like, rod with that. That was cool to me. That's when Philip is noticing uh, little Robert out there rattling off his baseball scores, kind of do what he can do. and um, Do with no legs. And that's what hits Philip pretty hard, you know. How how's Alvin gonna deal with life? That's like the only guy he knows that's missing a leg. Granted, two oh, legs. Shit, a little I bit didn't different. even think about that. Yeah. No. So he's like dialed in. So you you're catching now that they know what's happened to Alvin, and you catch it a little bit. Herman has tried to talk to Alvin since, but he hasn't heard back, which is probably why he's going up there. Right, because that's literally part of the next notes I got written down. Um. Uh, where, you know, the sisters are together, the, you mm-hmm. know, sisters, former, one of them, former Finkel mm-hmm. and best is reluctant, yeah, reluctant to have Sandy as the, as I wrote poster child for the just folks program, which I mean, that kind of ended up still being the case, but yeah, they just got the photos back and she has it featured in the pamphlet, the one of Sandy, which you're starting to get a little gist of, you know, she's real proud of Sandy. This Evelyn starting to get a little weird. I mean, she ain't got no kids. That's what I took it as. That yeah, that's the thing is, uh, someone's starting to get a whole lot of things going in their life that she's never had, and it's kind of encroaching on some other territory to fill some more needs. Right, mother vibes, wife. I mean, she's about to be a wife, so. Right. But uh, yeah, Bess is uh not into it. <laughs> Well, Bess isn't like, into a lot of stuff, which I mean, I feel like, you know, we've been getting a little bit of a best backbone. Like, yeah, she went, we we going to talk about how she went in this episode. Word up. I mean, I was, I, I was over here turned on a little bit, not going front. Hey, she told uh, you, here for the actress. I mean, I think you felt vibes of this whole time where, you know, it's come off in this way where she's trying to control the conversation in the house, not let things fly off the handle too much. But, you know, she makes her opinions heard when it's appropriate, like when they're in bed talking about moving to Union and how she feels about that. And, you know, she was pretty strong headed about 
she doesn't think that's the best thing to do for the kids. Like when it comes to the family and things are going to be best for them, maybe be her son being featured in the just folks program. She doesn't think is quite the best move for the family as a whole. I'm with her. Yeah, no shit. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm with a lot of their decisions this episode. Well, just in general, too. But, you know, I feel like we're on the same side with that completely. True. Uh, yeah, then, like you said, we find out that Alvin isn't responding to Herman's letters because he's been sending them. You know, who knows how many, but he said it's been weeks since he's heard from him. So he's definitely not trying to stay in touch. And once we catch up with Alvin, it's pretty obvious why. Yeah, because um, I was I was like, you know what? I was going to write it down. But then I said, you know, as soon as it got to this next scene, I was like, everyone's having a rough time. But Alvin is going through it. The nurse is trying to help him out. And, you know, he's just having no parts. Like she's like, he's like, I know your name. Jenny, the nurse. <laughs> Jenny the nurse. <laughs> you, you haven't used my name. So I thought to remind you. I know. What do you what do you want to do? Go dancing? Maybe we can go do the Lindy Hop? Yo, what do you thought? Yo, I swear to God, when he said that, I about fell out. I'm not gonna lie. I am terrible, but I about fell out. <laughs> yeah, he he hit her pretty good. And uh I mean the ultimate quote uh, I don't remember exactly what she asked him. It was like, is there something that you want? He just says straight up, I don't want period. That's just where he's at. He's desolate. Yeah. Damn, man. We ain't gonna have we don't have no images of Alvin Tootsie sliding out here. Mm. Never again. <laughs> oh God, I am terrible. Let me stop. Let me stop. <laughs> oh. Uh, let me make a point real quick. Um, yeah, going okay. to this next scene where Herman is at the gas station. Oh God, gas. please, please, because I just wrote down awkward. All right, so because um, I have the subtitles on, it's Walter Winchell who's on Damn, the radio. No, you're fine. Remember when I told you there was that famous radio host guy who that um, the Jewish population really rallied around at this time in his broadcast and the way he was broadcasting against Walter Winchell caught that okay. this time. So he's at the gas station and while the guy's pumping his gas for him, he's over there changing the radio so he can get the broadcast coming in. And they mention on the broadcast that the White House is planning a dinner with the German foreign minister. I don't think they mention him by name at this point and that the whole affair is being blocked by the House Democrats. So you're starting to catch you know, it's hard in the show when you're trying to pay attention to the dialogue and stuff. They have this exposition going on in the background, you know, whether it's the radio or whether they're at the newsreel or whatever, like trying to keep track of the historical background can be difficult. And, you know, it usually comes back around like it does in this episode, but that was the, the first mention of it, um, the state dinner being planned uh, while he was on his way up to Montreal. Right. Like, homie just came in there, didn't say shit. Change the radio station. He didn't say another word. And he's like, Herman left. He was like, bro. <laughs> don't, be like, fucking with my, don't be fucking with my tracks. I got my levels set all right. You know how ill you would be whatever if like, someone just came in there and just messed something up. And it's like, yo, like, I, I, I had stuff the way I had it set up. Do you ever see the movie Jackie Brown? It's been a long time. You've seen it, though? Yes, sir. The first scene with Samuel Jackson and Chris Tucker – and uh oh no 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 it was no uh Samuel Jackson is um in the bail bo- bail bombs in the shop Max Cherry and Robert De Niro I cannot remember his character's name but I just know it's Robert De Niro he doesn't even go sit in the car and listen to the radio but don't fuck with my levels now I got him just like I like upset <laughs> <laughs> oh man <laughs> 
Um, I was like, Chris Tucker always said the best thing to me or whatever on Rush Hour. I want to say Rush Hour too. You don't jump on no black man in a buffet long. What the hell are you doing? And so, <laughs> but um, <clears throat> slightly from, smaller role in Jackie Brown. Oh, <laughs> yes, definitely slight. <laughs> um, we go from there to uh, Philip asking Sandy, you know, how was things over the summertime and. Sandy kind of shows us some new sketches of pigs and like slaughter, and he's, you know, he's eating hog now. Which, you know, I forgot that was a thing. Not kosher. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so swine's not not kosher. I did mean to look up more things that are not kosher. It does come back into play in this episode, so I won't spoil that. I guess. Yeah. But uh, do you, you catch the family name? Nah, hit it for me because I forgot. Malhenny, down there in Kentucky. Wow, Mr. Malhenny and his hogs. No, that was bad. That sounds like <laughs> they, they, yeah, he sounds like he'd be on Henry Ford's side, or whatever. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Seems like it's kind of part of the program. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's like, did they like you? I think they did. What? <laughs> like, you were with Can't, somebody all summer or whatever. You don't necessarily know if they like you or not. Yeah, well, could be this kind of how the vibe was being presented. You know, who knows how much they volunteered to be a part of just folks. That is still so weird to me. Oh, my God. Just folks. Um, they, I, I can't remember which kid mentions that only grandma kept kosher. Um, but what what uh, happens? Sandy. Sandy. Sandy said that, and then he threatened Philip saying, you know, if you tell him I ate pigs um, – Dags will make a big deal out of it. Oh, yeah, so just keep your mouth shut. Yeah, S- Sandy, coming back from this summer abroad, starting to feel himself a little bit more. You know, he has got a little bit more confidence. I mean, he had the angst going before he left, but now he's kind of, you know, yeah, gaining confidence, feeling himself. And, yeah, it comes through in a lot of these scenes. Sometimes a little too much, but, you yeah, know, that, that's how it gets you. Sometimes you have to re-humble yourself as a 15-year-old boy. <laughs> Facts, man. Um, we get into Herman. He finally gets up to Alvin, and you said Montreal, correct? Yes. And, you know, like, Alvin is just down, man. He's like, <laughs> he's he's been, he's seen way better days or whatever. And Herman gets into, like, you know, like, what in the hell? Okay. Um, is that a thunderstorm? I think so. You wow. heard that? I heard that. That was loud. <laughs> That's why I got quiet. That scared the fuck out of me. Holy shit. Hey, this might be a lost episode. We're not going to win. We had a storm here right before I went for a run, and it was bright enough and stopped raining that I went for it, and I survived. But uh, it's supposed to be isolated thunderstorms. You know, we're not too far away, but I'm not even on the radar or whatever for anything. It just says it's cloudy. Jesus. Yeah. But um, Herman tells Alvin, you know, he's a fighter. He's a fighter. He's got his father's strength. And most importantly, he welcomes him home. Yeah. It, it, it was I, I, I enjoyed this moment to see them back on good terms. You know, I feel like they didn't leave. Or they left on, like, you know, not really seeing eye to eye. Understandably, and then I think from Herman's perspective, I think he respects the fuck out of him. Yeah. 
I mean, that definitely comes through later, too. I mean, she drove all the way to Canada. We, that, I mean, you know, it's that seems more like uh, I'm kind of your guardian. I need to check on you and console you kind of thing. True. But, like, he's never talked to him in the series up to this point the way he did in this sentence. Granted, he's trying to give him a little bit of strength, a little bit of, you know, knock it out of yourself and get back on your feet, foot. Not great, but God dang it. <laughs> but you know, he, he did what Herman couldn't do because Herman can't leave his family and fight for what he wants to fight for. But yeah. Alvin made the choice on his own, didn't tell anyone about it, just went ahead and tried to serve however he could. And Herman definitely respects the fuck out of that. Um, whenever he talked to the nurse, do you remember what she said? They're all angry in some way, but none like him. <laughs> oh, so I guess we're gonna say goodbye to this is our goodbye scene to Nurse Jenny, right? Uh not not yet, not yet, but close. But um he he doesn't fucking respond to Herman at all. Like yeah. I, I understand that you've been through some shit. Real you shit. Ki- you kinda find out a little bit later. He might be kind of responsible for getting himself into this shit to begin with. True. Probably price pissing himself a lot. But at the end of the day, like your new reality is what it is. And the dude that has been good enough to you to give you a home, to get you a job multiple times. Jobs. That you, yeah, you fucked it up and he's coming to you hat in hand asking you to come back. Like you can't even like say hi. That that's 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 pretty rough, and it just I guess speaks to the where he is in life and what the kind of hole he's in. Once again, he drove to Canada for you. Like I don't leave the city for for a lot of people. So I drove. I'm trying to think now. I don't know if we drove. I, I don't remember where we drove from. It, no, we had to have flew. I think we flew into Detroit and then drove into Canada. I was just trying to think. I've been to Jesus. Ontario before. Um, so I had, I've never driven from New Jersey to Canada. But I, I can tell you for a fact that is not a quick drive. In fact, <laughs> we have a computer here. Say Newark to Montreal. Granted, this is today with Google Maps. COVID-19 alert. Travel restricted to this destination. Oh, God. <laughs> Uh, in a car, in a car, it's like six hours. Hey, that's way too long for your boy. And that's just to go say, like, I respect you, get no response, and go home. And go home. <laughs> Wait, we're going to talk about this trip home in a little bit. Sure. Um, next thing I got is we go back to Jersey and... Sheldon and Phillips see uh, Sheldon's dad being rushed off to the hospital. Did you catch his name this time? I, I, I still didn't, too, and I meant to write it, but he's, I mean. Mr. Wishnow. So it's Sheldon Wishnow, his dad's Mr. Wishnow. That was kind of like, oh, shit. So, like, you know, like we said, that's a lot of tragedy this episode. What did you think of the old school ambulance? You know, I was confused a little bit. 
but I forgot it was like the 40s. I was like, oh, okay. We are in 1941. It just kind of looked like a car. Like not enough space in the back to really do anything. Just like no. get, get him in there and we're going to roll like no care. I don't know. Like, how, the, how the hell is someone even back there with you? Like they're just sitting in the like front seat or whatever. Like, okay. Yeah. You go better. That's kind of what I thought. Like there can't be a person <laughs> right. back there with you caring for you at all. No, it's a little odd. They're sitting in the back seat. Like, yo, you straight. Let me chill out. Let me chill out. Let me chill out. Um, <laughs> a, a little bit of it to stay in the, the Tarantino vibe. <laughs> You you seen Pulp Fiction? Yeah. When, when Vincent Vegas turned around in the back seat talking to Nathan. <laughs> God. Turns out he wasn't good after a minute, but uh, not no. quite the same. But hey, yeah, you know, <laughs> he's like that. Um, Herman's having some tro- some car trouble on the way back from uh, to Jersey. So, hang on front. When I saw this at first, it scared me because I was like, ah, shit. I was like, they're going to fuck with him. I thought it was some, like, you know. That was the first thing I was going to ask you is, were you nervous? Because I was nervous. I was like, what is this? Oh, I was, I was yeah. terrified. Yeah. I was terrified. So, when we found out it was, like, more Jewish people and, you know, they're like, you can, you know, need a hand. And Herman, you it know, It all clicked declines. into place really quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And you can see they're moving. And oh, I don't remember fleeing. exactly what they're yeah, what facts. I don't remember exactly what they said to Herman, but I'm like, hey bruh, you know always hear sometimes whatever, you know, like you get messages or whatever. Now what you choose to do with them is on you. True. Um I think the extent of it was they saw his jersey plates and they're like, I don't think your friends down in Jersey are gonna appreciate you coming back. Things are starting to shift. I think that was kind of the gist of the message. AKA, get out. Hold up. Get out. Get out! Quality reference. For anyone who's ever seen that movie or whatever. You know. What's the name of that movie? I'm just kidding. But, uh, yeah, it's been based on my life, man. You know? <laughs> just throwing that one out there. I've been in that situation of plenty of times. For the whole, you know, stealing to bodies an, to an extent, <laughs> to an extent. Well, it's not for the whole stealing bodies part, but yeah, I've been, <laughs> I've been there. You know, I would have voted for Obama a third time, but had the job. Okay, sir. Um, so, um, Sandy is talking to a group of people about his experience with just folks. It looked at like they were at the, like a church at the um the name for it uh synagogue. Synagogue, correct. Yes. Okay. I didn't say temple. There you go. We're learning over here. We are learning. I'm sorry too, because for for listeners or whatever, Coco decided to just come down and start licking my leg, and I'm like, okay, you can come down anytime now, dude. He's he's here for it. Yeah, he he's here for the action or whatever that, and he knows (laughs) what time it is, and he's like, yo, I'm gonna need you to get off that fucking mic and feed me, but you'll be all right. Not Um, soon enough. enough. (laughs) Um. We'll get into um, Monty and Philip arguing about their differences about the president because Monty's pretty much just, just shit talking. Um, not Monty, 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 Monty. Why did I write Philip? Why did I write Philip? Monty and Herman. Good lord, Correct. why did I write Philip? Ugh, tripping. Monty and Herman were talking about 
you know, um, Alvin. Yep. And Monty, like, good lord, he's just evil at this point. This is one of those scenes I think, you know, again, don't know how it went in the books, but it's kind of reminiscent of how things are going. So Herman's just there to freshen up so he can get home and take care of business. But Monty's kind of jabbing him a little bit about Alvin's whole decision to even, you know, his bonehead decision to get involved in this thing from a war perspective. Find out a little bit later how much more precarious it's going to be for Alvin because he did oh, yeah. choose to make that decision. But, um, you know, uh, Herman starts to grind into him a little bit just because he's not so anti Lindbergh anymore. And, you know, as a businessman, the stock market's starting to boom a little bit. Business is good. Money's flowing. Starting to forget about what they were pissed off about Lindbergh to begin with is. And uh, that's the kind of thing that can happen, you know. Then, As he said, you know, now, it's because he couldn't get along with your uh, Jewish-loving president. Yeah. Yikes. I mean, it's going to be a Jewish-loving, Nazi-loving president. Like, whoa. But <sighs> Monty gives him a couple bars at the same time, too. Yeah. You know, things are doing fine. You don't want them to be fine. You want to enter into the European conflict and throw potentially your children away. Yeah, what do you think about your sons, your family? What about Sandy? What about Philip? Now, Can't there's no way at this point in the timeline, September 1941, anyone could know, well, especially in revisionist history, but in real history, how long the war would actually last. But if you take into account the real life length of the war, right? Philip will be 18 and 44. So he would be involved in the conflict. And is Herman thinking about that or just his own ideals, especially the kind of conflict they're having over the whole thing to begin with? Very true. I didn't think about it like that, which, I mean, shoot, you got to tell Sandy that or whatever, because he's all Lindbergh. All, I mean, good Lord. Yeah, but him being pro Lindbergh could be playing into his own perspective of we should be anti-war, stay out of this conflict. I don't have to go out. Like, that could be playing into his narrative a little bit. It doesn't really play like that in the show at all. He's probably not really thinking like that. But why would he? He's 15. True. You know, at, at this point, they're anti-war because they're supporting Lindbergh. So it shouldn't be a problem for him. And if we could think about the dumb things we did at 15. Yeah, let's not. <laughs> that sounds, oh, that sounds like a different podcast. Oh, man. Why did tapping into something, you guys? Fifteen, not so bad. I, I think I did some dumber stuff before that, but just in general, you know, you're definitely not making decisions for your future at the the forefront of your mind at fifteen. I'm gonna just say like this: you only had your sister, right? Yeah, I had older brothers. <laughs> just, a little I'm foresight. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna just leave it there. Um. You know, Herman gets back home, and of course, he gets we get to see Boo thing. So, Bess asks, you know, how was Canada? And he's like, you know. She's like, no, how was Canada? Not going to make me go there. Like, which, I mean, he, he's he's fighting this shit. His quote specifically is, another place, another country, not my country. 
granted, he was also there for six hours. So how much is he really going to see? But at the same time, he did kind of encounter a caravan of people that was like, you know, this was our country, but uh, we out. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we need to go. But no, I mean, that's Herman's whole position. And it's the position that a lot of the show is taking. They they get into it a little bit back during the funeral scene where, you know, Dora Finkel was the generation of um, Jewish immigrant that came to America to establish a family to raise what would become an American family, Jewish American family, but they're Americans. Right. And those are the people that made the sacrifice for them to become Americans. And the rabbi who was there for the funeral service, very much in the antithesis of the rabbi we come to know in the show, establishing the fact that they are assimilated Americans. They should feel at home here in America because they've lived here their whole lives and they're raising families of even newer American children. So why should they feel like they shouldn't be able to trust their own country? It's what they've known their whole lives and they, you know, may have been somewhat segregated from the rest of the communities, but that doesn't mean that they don't feel a kinship to the country. Right. And I feel like at least most people are kind of segregated in a way still at this point. To an extent. I mean, it, it's it's a choice of how you want to raise your family and the communities you want to live in. It's also a socioeconomic thing and how you can choose to design how you want to raise your family and where you want to live the job projects you have based on your education and your um, family's ability to support you and do different things. Um, if you're given less options, you only have so much to draw out of. So you have to make those choices based on your situation. But right. you know, those, yeah, all of those things are what muddies all these conversations and makes these things more complicated. Herman's the kind of person that has chose to stay within the Jewish community in Newark, where he seems to be from and seems to be most comfortable being. And it's been safe and good to him. And he's been building his own career to the point where he almost had a promotion to get out of there, get to a new place, chose not to do it. Mostly kind of to support his family and not have to expose themselves to unfamiliar territory. But he had the option. You know, he, he's been able to build a life where he created options for himself. And that's kind of what America is. I, I like that. That was a great explanation of that, man. Yeah. <sighs> we get to the face-off between Rabbi Bingelsdorf and Herman. Because <sighs> he's over here for dinner, finally. Got the rabbis in the house. Yeah, you know, they talk... Um, Sandy's talking to him about the Jess folks and, you know, Kentucky and about tobacco and how their family made so much money with and all that. And, you know, the rabbi tells us about his father. I want you to go off right quick, man. I do think it's kind of funny the way they um, talked about tobacco sales, too, just because where, where, where we live, that's kind of what's driven the crop oh, yeah. price for so long. It's interesting my father down in south carolina <laughs> well so it was his, his grandfather he talks about fought for the confederacy after they assimilated or um, migrated from germany to america and served in the civil war for the confederacy he mentions there was another german jew who was like second in command in 
to Jefferson Davis, who was the president of the Confederacy, who was from South Carolina, which he holds kind of in high regard because that's, you know, someone that was like him that was in a high ranking position. And it's kind of like, you know, setting the seeds for how you think he's trying to position himself now, trying to get a seat of power in a situation that might not be exactly supporting his people, but he can have power and influence to drive that narrative to help his people, at least in his mind. So it's um, an interesting comparison to how he's viewing where his family history comes from, where Herman's kind of pushing back on that. I, was, I wrote down literally during this entire time, Herman is over here looking at him like, yo, it, 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 it's, he's giving me faces or whatever. Like when people start talking about lizard people <laughs> and like the earth's flat and stuff like that or whatever. I'm just like, are you serious? He definitely has contempt for Rabbi Bengelsdorf in not only this situation, but the entire night. But I right, because we, we jump right into, like, you know, they, excuse me, they're having dinner, talking a little politics. Bess is like, oh, this shit about to go left or whatever. Boys, bedtime. You know, I already got help and everything. Don't need your help at all. Leave. You know, she's like, she's like, yo, get out of here. She can, she can, I mean, she can, she can sense the environment. Well, that's what I'm saying, too, is like she does have her own agency in these situations where she senses what's going on. She knows she's not going to cut it all off, but at least she can spare the boys. So y'all get the fuck out of here and ask and help with the chores. Right. I feel like my mom or my parents have always been that way whatever. It's like, yo, you're a kid. Be a kid now. Like, you're going to have to deal with it one day, but I'm I'm not going to just push it down. Exactly. You know, so then they're going back and forth or whatever, talking about Herman and Lionel as far as their thoughts on politics and just the president in general, where, you know, I I, I assure you, Herman, that President Lindbergh is not the man that you perceive him to be. Well, let's go through some of the points quickly. Herman Please. believes that Bengals are a position of being anti-war is that he believes that European Jews are less valuable, meaning that by not intervening in the war, he doesn't see protecting them as as valuable an asset as protecting American Jews. Interesting argument. Makes more sense from Herman's point of view. I could see why the rabbi maybe wants to protect his own who have migrated at that point. Rabbi Bengelsdorf says he abhors all war. He has contempt for Hitler, but isn't really arguing against his stance on being anti-war. Herman talks about how Alvin, his nephew, supported the war effort and tried to make his life useful and thinks of him as a hero, while Rabbi Spangelsdorf thinks of his situation as a tragedy based on how things worked out for him. So Herman starts to get a little more intense with him. You know, what if Hitler brings the war to the United States? (laughs) would uh our president still have a close relationship with herr hitler or sorry herr hitler if you're going to use just straight english but herr hitler in terms of their negotiation for neutrality that they have already proclaimed at this point i i do want to bring up the point that um most people at this point in time refer to Hitler as the Führer, which is the yes. leader of the German uh, government and 
this like supreme leader basically by referring to him as Herr Hitler, Herr Hitler. Um, that's like calling him Mr. Hitler. And what he's implying is that, you know, Lindbergh is on the level with Hitler at this point that they're like friends, like they're of common place in the world. He doesn't regard him as a supreme leader of a power against his country, but as a friend who has negotiated with them. And that comes back up when they talk about the German foreign minister later and how they talk about him. Mm. So Bengelsdorf takes a long sip of tea. Very important. <laughs> I mean, just... Um, I, I just I, I loved how like they pretty much just positioned it like, you know, you might think you might think this one thing, Herman, but I assure you I've spoken to to Mr. Lindenberg himself. I was at the White House just yesterday. <laughs> He's like, yo, I just got back. Like like we just got back in. What you talking about? <laughs> He's telling him that he informed the president that FDR's former supporters now support him. And he is confident that the president understands the value of this, essentially. Before we get on to the next thing, do you believe that? Do I believe that Rabbi Bangelsdorf believes that? Yes. I believe that Rabbi Bangelsdorf has put himself in a position where if he wants to have the power to control how he, in his mind, will try to protect Jewish Americans, he has to believe that. Damn. Got a point there. You want to get into... Oh, oh but, man. But the... the, the Wait, are you about to move on from the conversation? Because the end line was the best line. Oh, go ahead and say that. Go ahead and say it. My fault. More tea, Robbie? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, and he oh, called, man. I think, I'm pretty sure Herman called uh, Lindbergh the American Hitler. I believe yes. that was uttered. Yeah, More tea, was. Robbie? <laughs> <laughs> um. You know, the next part or whatever, because um, I think they talked about it a little bit earlier, but Alvin is kind of just like the nurse, Nurse Jenny asked him, you know, if you need help with your your pail, you know, I got you. He's like, fuck no. No, fuck no. I do it myself. You know, just I, I've learned in life or whatever. If someone asks or whatever, then nine times out of ten, I'm just going to accept your help. You know, I'm a lot oh. better than I used to be. Unless I get pissed. Now I go like, I get pissed sometimes. And it's like, oh, fuck it, I'll do it all myself, which I shouldn't do, but it'd be like that. So, so reposition yourself in life, though, too, because there, there's a there's something going on with Alvin. He's still a young man mm-hmm. who has been independent his entire life, at least since his parents have passed. You know, he's been under the care of his uncle, but he's out there being streetwise, in taking streets. care of it taking care of himself, you know, he'll get to the fights he needs to get into. We'll win the fights he needs to get into. He's catching money for himself, supporting himself. He's been put in a situation where not only is he less independent than he could ever be physically, but he put himself there and he's more angry at himself than he's ever been. 
So the selfishness to himself to want to prove that he can be his own man and be independent only amplifies itself in that situation. And I love how Jack just like, you know, elegantly said that and put that. But I'm saying all that to say, yeah, my man tried to go out here and do all this shit by himself or whatever was limping around and literally spilled shit on himself. Oh, he's covered in shit. Literally. Try, trying to empty his own bedpan, trying to be his own man, got damn close to the wheelchair. This was disgusting. Oh, yeah, it was fucking gross. Like, I mean, we know it wasn't real or whatever, but whatever they used, like, whatever sloppy Joe mix this was. <laughs> hey, hey, let's be, let's be fair to the man. We don't know what drugs he's been given, anesthetics, all these things oh, in order I for mean, the amputation to go through, all the salves and all the shit on his leg. That could be messing with your constitution. Hey, now, you know I am, which I'm not going to put this out here for the people or whatever, but you know personally, I love a good sit down on the toilet or whatever and just relaxing for a hot minute. So I'm not going to complain or talk about anybody and what they do. No, I, you know, taking your I time am, is a smart thing. Thanks. I enjoy just long sits or whatever and being on my phone, maybe listening to a podcast, some music, you know, so I get out some of this best material. Take your time. It, it'll yeah. only hurt you to rush in the long run. There, there we go. You know, we get from there to eventually him saying he's going back to Jersey. I'm not going to do his voice because I'm terrible at that. I'm going to stick with Rabbi. His is hard to do. Which I'm they, sure he completely does not sound like that at all. They talked about that a little bit on the HBO pod that he stayed in character the entire filming like that. And then when he – I believe he's Irish – when he came to the rap party, they were like, what the fuck? <laughs> I do remember that now. I'm uh, going to do, do that with y'all one day or whatever. I'm going to have my voice and I'm not going to break character. Kayfabe, as we say in the wrestling world. you know. Also be tuned in for that episode or whatever. It's the Us Damn WrestleMania edition. Coming the same time you guys will hear this. I, I, I. But... Um, There's a lot of wrestling coming, folks. A lot yes. of wrestling. There ain't, there ain't shit else going on right now. <laughs> You're um, coming back, but yeah, I mean that's like the low point of his whole situation, right? He put himself out there, tried to be independent, ends up literally covered in shit, and everyone in the ward's looking at him. It's just like that's, yeah, a, that's this, even more embarrassing. This is how I feel on the inside, personified on the outside. This is me Shitty. right now. <laughs> God, that's good. Um. I have a little question here, whatever, which I feel like you will be able to explain because it made a lot more sense towards the end. So at this point, we're with um, Rabbi Bengelsdorf as they're talking about, I wrote upcoming plans. Now, is this the what we're going to know in the next episode to be the Homestead program? Correct. Okay, I was making sure. Homestead 42, correct? Yeah, that's what they call it in the preview. I think he mentions the 42 part here when he's talking about it, but uh, they also mention it just as the Homestead Act. So yeah. Rabbi Bengeldorf is in a, I don't want to call it a cabinet meeting, but it's some kind of meeting with a lot of higher-ups. And um, Evelyn. It, and Evelyn. You know, not a higher-up. <laughs> I mean, he, he said, he said, her, he said her, her actual job title, how many times the assistant, my fiance, and also the assistant. Assistant of, director of director the blah, blah, blah. Bruh. I think he's just trying to fuel her fire a little bit. 
So y'all shall the- now refer to me as your official podcaster with the. Uh, let me stop. Um- <laughs> <laughs> so he's talking to the committee. He specifically refers to this new um, agenda as the second phase of the Just Folks program which is going to be Homestead 42, the Homestead Act, which is going to be a migration of Jewish families. Now, the way he presents it is that there are a large number of American businesses that are willing to support this bill. I'm not going to list them all off because yeah, as it was going off, it was too much. It's, it's You recognize almost all these companies. They are major establishments in America then and most of them still major establishments in America now. They are willing to not only financially support the bill, but provide job opportunities to Jewish families who will voluntarily migrate to a position where they make it sound like they will have new job opportunities. But I think what's more implied is that their existing jobs will be moved into different areas which they will voluntarily be given the choice to follow and continue to do their job, but in a new sector. Hmm. What seems to be probably more influential is where they'll be moved to. And not eventually it'll be, you know, where they moved from and what implications they have for leaving those areas. But where they moved to, and then one of the, you know, whoever, Senator, it could have been the vice president guy that we meet later. I really don't know. But he specifically mentions, of course, this will be voluntary participation to relocate and employ Jews. And Rabbi Spangledorf replies, of course, it's a free country, or this is a free country. And that's kind of where it cuts off. I I smelled so much bullshit or whatever. I think I was, like, literally just going to erupt. So there's a lot of implications there in terms of um, history of forced relocation of people during World War II. And it's not only um, Germany-focused. We did the same thing in America with Japanese-Americans. I did hear about that. That was discussed. You know. Yeah, Japanese internment is something that is not talked about a ton in terms of how we handled the West Coast Japanese Americans that were citizens of our country and maybe didn't have full trust um, of their um, alliance to America after the bombing of Pearl Harbor. Granted, it was a horrible thing, and it's what spurred us to go into World War II to begin with, which I do want to speak on that later because I've talked about Pearl Harbor at least in the last episode, if not before. But... Um, that was a terrible, terrible thing that really had horrible implications on the families that were affected by it and probably didn't achieve its goal of isolating any potential spies of the Japanese government, or if it did, it probably was not of the level it was implemented to in order to prevent that from happening. So... You know what that makes me think of or whatever, and this is terrible, but I'm bringing a little bit of, like, you know, just 
ha ha's to you know rough situations sure so yeah we could use it it. it it makes me think of like i'll never forget there's an infamous scene off family guy and i'm like oh this is about as awkward as when they freed the slaves and they just go to like a random scene and then like it's just like you can tell just random white people or whatever kind of like you know the higher ups with like the wigs and shit and they just take cuffs off this big black dude he's like okay so you know you're free now you know hard, no hard feelings right yeah like I saw that show Family Guy and I literally busted out laughing, which I should not have done. But I was like, wow, I can imagine they would think it would be some dumb shit like this. But also knowing the dude who writes Family Guy said he threw that in there because he knew it would be awkward as fuck for some people. And that I would laugh. So I loved it even more. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like you know, that's yeah. what it seems like. Well, we we thought this was going to be the case or whatever. We kind of sent you in these camps and everything. But, you know, we're cool, right? <laughs> like, what the fuck? We don't get yeah, just return to your lives as if nothing ever happened. <laughs> like nothing happened. Like, get the fuck out of here. As if that's a possibility. Even uh, in the situation you're referring to is just like, oh, my gosh. Oh, you, you mean live, live a life? Like, OK, cool. You know, you, you mean you're asking me to live a life I've never known and have no idea how to approach and potentially operate even to begin with? Yeah, great. Thanks. Speak on it. That would be super easy for me. Thank you. Just funny. That's what everyone wants to do. <laughs> so, yeah, it's uh, concerning, to say the least. And uh, we'll get into more of that in the preview for next week. So Alvin's back. He's gets you know, gets off the train. Um, Sandy runs up to hug him and, you know, rest of the fa- which, you know, best kind of has her faces or whatever. And um, I, I wonder Phil, how that relationship will play out, all true. things considered, because it's been kind of set in the show that Sandy has a real respect for Alvin. But at this point in time, they are on uh, completely different fronts, to say I, the least, I, to say the least. Yeah. My question here is Philip. He just yep. has a look of pure terror, which that happens a lot with him this episode. Yeah. Rightfully so. But he eventually, you know, gives Cousin Alvin a hug. But, I mean, I guess, like, like now that you mentioned or whatever, did he see him as, like, you know, just the dude that was out there, like, selling newspapers or whatever? What was he to expect? You know what I mean? All he heard is that he lost a leg. He He's probably only seen one person in his life that's lost a leg. You know, yeah, He doesn't I, have either legs, that dude. There was a time in my life that I didn't know any homeless people, and there was a guy outside of really? one, of the, one of the offices. My dad worked at New Jersey. That was a homeless guy, and he was a super nice guy. And that's all I knew homeless people were like. And, uh, you know, as you grow older, people that are in those situations are a wide range of different kinds of you, people. You, you know, Jack, like, I know you've been to, like, my hometown or whatever, but I really want you to come to, like, my hometown. Like, like where, the shit I've seen. Not shit Kaylee's seen, but... No, I understand. I, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, there's, there's two different worlds. I'm not saying I haven't seen some she shit. Knows that. It was just oh, like no, I get that too. Yeah, there, there was a guy who like li- lived outside my dad's office building, and he was a legitimately nice guy who seemed like he was trying to turn his life around. There, you encounter different kinds of people that are in those kinds of situations. So, you know, as Philip seeing one person in that situation, he probably doesn't really know how to interpret all the different kinds of situations that could re- revolve around, you know, his cousin losing his leg. He doesn't know how to 
process that differently than what he's experienced. He's just going to be the guy that shuffles for change saying baseball's worse. That's his life. <laughs> also to, um, to Jack's point or whatever, I like shout out to that dude or whatever from trying to make his life better because the homeless people I always saw coming up or whatever, um, had bags that was always covered up and everything. It's like, yo, what is in them bags? They're always just drinking out of these just brown bags. Like, what is happening? And I grew up and I was like, dang. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. My and mom took me from a lot of stuff, but God, age, when I say it hit me, it hit me like a brick wall, boy. You know, who knows what that guy did after dark? I didn't know that guy. I just saw him in the daylight. Who the fuck knows? But, again, these are things you learn as you gain experience. Something else we've talked about during this series. <sighs> so, I have... Let me see, let me see, let me see. Uh, is back. Okay, um... Evelyn is, you know, she joins... Rabbi Bengelsdorf and Mrs. Lindenberg, the first lady. I all right, we skipped a little bit. But we skipped. Alright, so Philip was in his room with Alvin while he was salving his leg and everything, checking out the wound and all that. And then, you know, Philip goes downstairs and Bess realizes he's down there and has a conversation with him about Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. I'm glad you got that because I kind of was just like nothing really resulted of it to begin like from the whole <laughs> conversation. Let's talk. Let's talk about it though. Did your mom have talks with you like about stuff like that? I feel like my mom would just kind of like it wasn't a lot of like explanations. It was kind of just like this is what this is, and you don't need to worry about this, 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 or this. Like, when I say I tell you guys I had to find out a lot of stuff later on, like, I pretty much only got A and B. So by the time I got to, like, figuring out what the hell Z was, I was like, damn, this world shitty. I wouldn't say we had a lot of conversations like that, but I don't think we had a lot of situations like this. So it's, you know, because, like, she brings up a lot of stuff where Sheldon's dad is super sick. Alvin's in his room now. Sandy's in another room, so Alvin can be up there. Which why did they put Alvin up the stairs? I was. <laughs> I think they literally did it just because it's like okay, so we know you you want to continue to be you know. So we're you gonna try to make it harder for you. I really don't know. It's it's Alvin. You literally just talked about his pride and all that type of crap. Or whatever. You think he's not going up and down these steps or whatever? It's like yeah, I can still do it. Oh, I see what you're saying. I thought you were gonna. I, go. thought, I thought you meant it from the perspective of they're gonna try to keep him from going out, which he eventually does in this episode. Well, that too. But no, just the first part. So there's that, and then um, she really goes into a deep explanation about what's going on with Alvin. You know, explaining he is to how Philip. old again? Ten. He is ten because yeah, my, pretty, my, my, um, I think this episode like confirmed 10. that he's ten at some point. Um, which I do think is aged up from the book a little bit, but I don't Jesus think Christ. that perspective that he is the narrator of the book applies so much to the show since we're get a much broader view of everyone f- during the show. So I don't think it's as important. But, um, you know, Alvin is very ashamed of himself at this point, but eventually he's going to learn that he doesn't need to be ashamed of the situation he's found himself in and he can build on that and become a stronger person. And I think Best did a really good job explaining that to Philip, but Philip's just still not hearing it at all. 
something's still bothering him and he does not get resolved. He just goes to bed. As far as people in this show, like best just shows me like the, the, the calmest, the most collective, the most, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, she's, I don't know. She's an amazing person. No. Yeah. She, she understands what's going on around her and she's able to really, for the most part, be elegant in explaining how things are and how they should affect you. Later in this episode, she might not be as effective, but at least she's present for it. Hey, I think she was pretty effective, boy. Good luck. Um, you, you want to get into their meeting with the first lady? Yeah, for sure. And by the way, what you're referring to is not what I was referring to, but we'll get oh, there. God. Oh, God. Oh, oh, oh God. So, um... You know, um, Miss the First Lady is like, it is so great to finally meet, you know, Lionel's fiance. I've heard a lot. And they're talking Anne, about Anne Lindbergh. Anne? Anne Lindbergh, yeah. Okay, Anne, got you. So pretty much she just does all this like slick talking or whatever to be like, so we're gonna have this dinner, right? Now, Jack's going to say it a lot more, you know, better than what I can say it, guys. But the way this shit was said in my eyes was, so, all right, so we're having this dinner, okay? And everyone's kind of denying us or whatever, but we need some Jewish people around. How would you guys like to represent that for America? In all fairness to her and the character, she did put it pretty elegant. Oh, she said she she said this shit how you was like I told you it's literally how you come on here and you say things a certain way or whatever and I'm gonna say it for the people in layman's terms. Fair enough. So the Jewish <laughs> That's why this shit works. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Cause people can get they they can go here and be like, yo, you know what I'm saying? They be breaking it out from this type of shit or whatever. But yo, they keep it real too, son. Fuck yeah. No. And <laughs> the first thing that pops in Evelyn's mind is, oh my god, can we bring Sandy? Going back to what you were talking about earlier, bro. It's fucked up. She's you know stealing what her, her son. Yeah, you know what? Her version of, oh my god, you know, Sandy or whatever. It's like, I'm not trying to be... Uh, okay, fuck it. There's no way to sugarcoat this or whatever. I just gotta say it. Um, it's... I'm gonna say the way it came off to me or whatever is like... And I, I don't necessarily know, like... Black people or whatever that are this kind of this way or whatever, but like from a certain white perspective of, oh, that's one of the good ones. That's how it came in my eyes. And you feel the same too. That's why you're quiet right now. No, in my in my perspective, it's there. There's one person that she can idolize in her eyes of what she wants to get out of life as she's getting older. Now she has a fiance. She's going to get married. Who knows how old she actually is in terms of child rearing age, especially for the time. And with her husband who is right. older yeah, than her. Like now we're a fucking, I think Janet just had a kid or whatever. She's like my parents age. And yeah, things are different Whoa. now than they were then in terms of, and, and I'm the, about 30 guys. So that tells you something. So I, there's one child in her life that, is in her life that's identifying with the viewpoints that she is being presented and being influenced by and buying into. And the only one that is, is Sandy. So she's trying to take on the perspective of 
involving him in her life as his aunt, but she is starting to lean more into seeing him as her child. Mm. Which is fucked, especially because it's her sister's child and she doesn't have the right to take that perspective. And she may not be doing it consciously, but she's doing it. Right. He's, he's 15 and she, her only thought in her mind is, can I expose this young man who I really appreciate to this lavish lifestyle that I'm being presented rather than I'm going to bring my young nephew to a treaty constellation with literal Nazis. <laughs> literal! Oh my god! And we're there as the token minority. Fuck, I'll go ahead and say, it's like, yo, you know what I'm saying? My auntie trying to bring me to a KKK rally. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in a way, in a way, that's all, it's so absurd, I just have to giggle. Like, what the fuck? You could take it more or less absurd either way. Like, it's it's bad. It's it's really rough. I mean, he's going to get real rough or whatever because God knows what we're about to get into. Um, And you think you think based on how this is going to play out, which right. we know how it's going to play out, the listeners probably do at this point. Hopefully they watch Bad. the episode. But, like, it's almost worse. Like, it's it's even worse, yeah. Uh, yeah, so yeah. I, Be, being rep, being asked to represent Jewish Americans at this dinner, knowing that all others have declined. Yeah. But we are no in no way endorsing their policies. But we want you to represent Jewish America. And her first thought is, let me bring the kid. Yeah, no. All right. yeah. We, we can move on. I, yeah, we, um, we, we fit on the head. I just I wanted to get some of the elo- eloquent language in there. That, I feel like it's killing you. Let's look the inside of like, what the fuck are you thinking, Winona? Excuse me, Evelyn. Yeah, <laughs> but now we're getting in here with our favorite character. I was about to say, I know you shed a little tear, man. He's gone. Earl's fuck. gone, man. Yeah, but so, he, did the, he did the best thing possible. I love this scene. So we just get like this guy or whatever who comes up or whatever. You like, you must be, what do you call him, Mr. Phillip? No, not yet. No, no, no. no. Was... Oh, excuse me. You must be Philip. And he's like, yes. Uh, he's like, is your mama's side? He's not. Philip's not saying a word or whatever. You know, he's still paranoia or whatever. All this shit going on. And Sheldon's like, yeah, she's right inside or whatever. And <laughs> he's fucking. I'm like, damn. We see who snitching. Good lord. <laughs> Let's say you know we see Earl in the car, and he's like, yeah, I'm going to New York or whatever. He's like, why? I'm going with my dad. He's like, that the same one or whatever. He's like. Is it, is it because, you know, we like, you know, they sneak around and notice shit or whatever? It's like, no, it's because Louise, you know, they're sending her, you know, a.k.a. his mom went insane. She went crazy. They're sending her to the loony bin and her dad is sending her to live with her bubby. So her grandma in New York City. Gotcha. But Earl's got a gift for Philip. He gives him an envelope with all his stamps. Was it all his stamps or just stamps? I think it was implied it was all his stamps. That's what I thought. Yeah. I don't I think he knows he's never gonna see him again. Pretty much. But you know Earl's gonna get his freak out in the city. 
Oh, he's going to be on his shit, boy. <laughs> he's like, bitch, I don't need these stamps anymore. It's like when I gave uh, all I'm my Yu-Gi-Oh! This is like when I gave all my Yu-Gi-Oh! cards to uh, one of my dad's friend's sons. I was like, dude, I'm done with this. Take all this. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so I'm too old for it. Uh, and I, I still, think I did that at one point, too, whatever, and I regret it. I mean, there's a part of me that still would love to play some Yu-Gi-Oh! But I'm sure I'm it's all I, 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 kick, I kick your ass. You, you don't want that smoke. Whoa. I'm just saying. Bro, we're going to have to break out some Game Boy Advanced. We're gonna don't get it twisted. Transfer cable. I'm, I'm, I'm going to catch you on that. Uh, we El can do Bajul some shit Soul. online or whatever if I still know how to get to it. That's, that's the only good one. That's the only yeah. good game. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, I do. Damn. I we do. Just, we just revealed ourselves. I'm about to say, hey, Brendan, I used to play Dungeon Dice Monsters, too. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, can, I, can, I can get into that. Oh, God. I had the game. I finally learned how to play that shit, and I got good for a minute. All right. Real quick, though. Sheldon had the bar. Oh, yes. Yeah, so all this shit happened, everything. You know, the dad comes back and was like, yo, you know, it's going to be in New York or whatever. Uh, maybe you should write him sometimes. I'm like, God, this is so awkward. Just mail. And Sheldon <laughs> hits them with, uh, my air best friend now. No response. Nothing. About to be, though. Ooh. So, Herman's at the theater. And they're watching stuff about Roosevelt, correct? So I didn't know who it was that was speaking out against the German state dinner. I thought it was just Jewish people, but it would make a lot of sense. It was FDR. So I might have just missed a little bit of that. So you know, that was a thing. I mean, that's it's not really important. The only important part about this scene is you're going to have to say it because, you know, I don't say that, that word. But someone says, shut up, you Jewish lover. Just the middle of the fucking theater. Yeah. Herman's I, face is just I, I don't have it written down. Uh, I'm not really surprised I don't have it written down. But yeah, they uh the the crowd is a little split at the old newsreel these days. Which is so loud. Which is funny too. I mean, I think it you know, I haven't gone back and watched old episodes, but you know, like that first scene when Alvin's in there, there's not a whole lot of people in the theater. There's, it's packed. It seems like it's been more of a packed house as these newsreels have gotten a little uh, different. I'm sure Shepsi is loving it. Mm. <laughs> um, we go from there to a moment I know you've been waiting for. We finally learn how Alvin lost his leg. And I'm going to let you go in about this one. All right. I'll, I'll say what he said, but I have a question for you afterwards. So Alvin Alvin is telling Monty because he pressured him into telling him pretty much how, how he lost his leg. So there was a German down in the ditch and Alvin crawled over to shoot him, looks over the ledge. The German's already dead. He takes it upon himself to shoot him two more times in the head. Yeah. All of a sudden, grenade lost his leg mm. what i wrote down <laughs> how the hell did grenade just take out just his leg no what I, what I what i wrote down was um as i heard it what i implied it was that he was grenaded as he desecrated the dead <laughs> i 
which is that's what that means like yeah you shot up a corpse for your own satisfaction by and by doing so exposed your position and got yourself fucking grenaded yeah which you know that's his own fault for getting himself put in that situation which is probably why he's been covered in shit for the entire episode in his own head damn do you think that's what happened I don't know. Not that you mentioned it like that. I don't know either. But who would tell that shit story about themselves? I mean, if he's a, if I'm a hero, I'm telling people I'm a hero. Yeah, but well, sure, it's not a heroic story. But no, you sound like a dumbass. You kind of, but yeah. in, in the same sense, it's like I'm gonna put a bullet every Nazi I see. Like, there's a little bit of a... I'm trying to be a badass there, too. Yeah. What happened to this smart person that we saw that knows how to break necks or whatever? And, you know, this person that knows literally the whole pulse shit and everything that we discussed last episode. Which makes it seem like maybe there's something a little bit more to the story than that. Like, yo, where your blonde chick at? But we'll see. Yeah, I'm a little hesitant on believing that story. So if 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 Jack is correct or whatever, we would definitely hear about that because you know he's not gonna let me forget it, guys. Yeah, you got it. At the market because he's like, you know, it's not it's not it's not what you want to do, but you know, I can can help you out a little bit, get some money. He's like, you know, um, let me take you up on that. Can I get a advance loan, you know, to get myself together? Give him twenty dollars. I'm going to just say, I, I don't know if I, like, just pause one second, because we know what he's about to do. Just yeah. pause, though, because I wrote I wrote it down, but just just, just give, me, give me one second for that, because it's more important matters at, you know, prior to this, or yeah. after this, or whatever. Yeah. So, Sandy is recruiting kids for just folks at, it appears, a school this time, like. Probably his school. It's September, so he's back to school. And I mean, he's he's talking about this joint or whatever, like it's legit the Boy Scout sort of like I've learned so much and everything. And if you want, you can just sign up here. And he just has this grin, and I was just like, oh my god, I'm so disgusted. That's his confidence coming through, though. Like it is, but I'm like, God, Sandy, just his uh, aunt put it, his aunt put him in a position to be a pioneering figure figure in this whole situation, and now he's getting to flaunt his experience and you know give that to other people if they want to believe in him so yeah it's like giving him a platform to stand up for himself especially because his family never wanted him to participate in to begin with and now it's giving him an opportunity to impress other people evelyn shows up at the school to deliver a personal letter from the first lady to to him which is a big fucking deal I mean, it legit is, like, not necessarily in these circumstances, <laughs> but, you know, just in general. I would say even in these circumstances, you know, how often are you going to get uh, any kind of invitation to any kind of state dinner in your entire life, let alone, you know, even if it, I mean, to him, too, you know, he believes in this shit. 
And I know, you know, this is this is a show. So, you know, just now I'm joking here, guys. I'm not serious. My man turned into the fucking like the flash because we blink and he's just home or whatever. (laughs) I was like, damn, kid, what you in such a rush for or whatever. Now, this is where I'm going to just skip a little bit of stuff, whatever, because Alvin goes off with his friends because, you know, they come pick him up and they're all gambling. So you want to get to that later? What's up? Oh, you want to do all that now, or do you want to? I, I want to do it now because I, I, I got, okay. I got, I got what's next written down. Like, yeah, trust. What, what do you, uh, you remember his friend's name? No, Shushi. Shushi. Oh yeah. Okay. Do you know what him and Shushi was talking about after he won the money and was limping off? <laughs> A little bit, and I looked into it just to make sure I could talk about it. Cool deal, because I had no clue what they was talking about. Yeah. So they're at the dice game. He wins. They talk about they're gonna go get a drink, and uh, she's like, "No, nah, man, like we'll get a drink with my, with the numbers guy." I didn't write down his name or whatever. So they mentioned that back. I think that was the second episode after it was revealed that um, you know Shushi had the money, and they're talking about going out of town and run the numbers. And he was like, "Dude, we're not gonna go fucking run the numbers." Like. That's a bad look. So while Alvin's been gone, Shushi's got tight with the numbers guy. So numbers games were illegal lotteries that were run in poor working class neighborhoods like these. Um, essentially, people would pay money to bookies to guess a three digit number that would be randomly drawn the next day um a lot of the times based on this wikipedia article that i'm reading um the last three digits of the handle was based on the amount that racetrack betters bet on the race of the major race track the last day which i assume they're referring to horse racing or dog racing something like that so okay. it was essentially an illegal street lottery that people would run these games to make money off of the poor communities. That's kind of what a numbers game is. It was popular in the Northeast and, you know, kind of like a mob mafia connection kind of scheme that was being run. You know, people don't typically win the numbers game and it's a way to continue to make money and racketeer with so basically shushi's gotten himself deeper into the game than since alvin was last there that's kind of the implication because you don't see him meet up with him or anything like that so how does that bold with alvin i think it remains to be seen in terms of what his potential involvement in this will be or how it will affect his future relations with a sushi. So are you ready for just, I was like, holy shit, what in the world? Go for it. So. I wanted to put it all in one scene or whatever so we can kind of just stick together. Uh, Yeah. So, of course, you know, Sandy was excited. He tells his parents, they're like, absolutely not. Do you know what you're doing to yourself? And he ran off again. Now, 
I said this the last time or whatever. I'm like, yo, son, it's not going to be no running off. Like, yo, my brother tried to run away one time. Shit didn't work out too well. <laughs> I'm going to just leave you, it at you, that. You think you're so smart when you run away from home. Like, you've got a lot of places to go. Uh, oh, my God. And that's it. Because literally, guess what? We know where you went, sir. This is where shit gets crazy. Z. So, of course, he ran off to Auntie Evelyn's. Wait, I mean, where else is he going to go? Or, aka, maybe this is Rabbi Bingelsdorf's house or whatever. It's a lot bigger. You That's know? what I was going to say. It is Auntie Evelyn's place now. Oh, well, it, it, it's the Bengelsdorf residence. Well, yeah, she, yeah, she's she's future Mrs. Bengelsdorf. So, oh God, that gets worse later. Yeah. God. So, you know, they're arguing back and forth. We can remember some of the particulars because Evelyn, what does she call Herman? Oh, I don't know if I have all these quotes written down. I remember what he said. I remember what, I he, remember said. what he said. For God sure. dang, I remember what he said. I basically have, you know, they go to get Sandy from the place. Bez is freaked out and Herman's pissed. And Bez, only, just had, like, Bez only had one line right here or whatever, but it was epic. That, that's right. a, that's at the end. You had but, no right. Yeah. <laughs> Ev starts lighting him up. That's what I've written down because I couldn't just write stream of consciousness with the hell. Oh, she was right. Yeah, right. I can't remember what she said exactly, but she's just like, you know, it's, it's like it's, a, it's just pretty much ignorant. And, you know, oh, wait, well, l- let me try to pick into it a little bit. Because okay. um, she's going off about Lindenberg, how much he's done for the country. He's protected people. He's protecting thousands of Jews from going into any kind of conflict or anything like that. And Herman is just answering back. And he's allowing Hitler to march across Europe and take thousands of Jewish lives. Mm. Can we get into what Herman said to her? Go for it. As I recall, he mentioned... Oh, Evelyn, you know, like something like, you know, we're not good enough or whatever, you know, like I think you brought up the whole American thing again. And it was like because, you know, you've got your way back to the top now, whatever. And how many ever people you managed to sleep with to get there. And at this point, this is where you hear rabbis say, um, Herman, <laughs> I have no idea what he said specifically. No, no, he called him his last name. He called him his last name. What's her last name? Levin. Mr. Levin. That was Damn, legit. I, I can't Levin. believe you caught that because I couldn't catch anything in between that dialogue. Oh, my God. Yeah, he's like, Mr. Levin. What what he specifically said was, you've managed to bang your way to the top. God <laughs> So basically he's firing off on her the fact that you have involved yourself in the situation that has been beneficial to you. And now you're climbing the ladder, maybe climbing some other rungs of the ladder on your way up there, taking advantage of the whole thing. And uh, this won't affect you now, Ev, because you're your own lady. But for the rest of us, it's totally fucked. They get Sandy up out of there. Best, you had no right. None. You had no right. (laughs) <laughs> that was it and you know they had to drag sandy little ass out of there because it's like yo first off like yo bro where'd you think you was going 
It's not just this. It's not this simple or whatever. And I love his little like silent treatment shit or whatever because yo, what I've realized about my parents or whatever, not only just at this age, but like you know, even at youth, yo, don't try to let up with my parents or whatever because they can be way pettier. Like, oh, where you ain't gonna talk to us? I right, don't ask us whenever you want shit. We won't talk back either. So you talking you, about the? Are you talking about the next morning or that night? Oh, that um the the next it was the next morning, correct? Yeah. So Herman is reading the newspaper. Sandy's sitting at the din- dinner table, or yeah, mm. yeah breakfast mm. table, whatever the fuck you want to say. Mm. So he pulls out the paper, hands it to him. Herr von Rippentrop, that's the German foreign minister. Read about him. It's all here in the paper. Read about him. Which, um, if you want to hear some real history about Joachim von Rippentrop. So he was the foreign minister of Nazi Germany from 1938 to 1945. He was not like crazy influential, but before World War II, he played a key part in brokering an alliance between fascist Italy and the Nazi Germany. So the Nazi um, – oh, sorry – the Nazi fascist alliance between um, Germany and Italy. And then he also played a part in the Nazi Soviet non-aggression pact that was put into place before world war two, which was broken by the way. Um, Then in 1941, due to the American aid to Britain and increasingly frequent incidents in the North Atlantic between Nazi U-boats and American warships. Rippentrop worked with um, Japan in convincing them to attack the United States, which eventually led to a declaration of war on the United States after the attack of Pearl Harbor. So he was very influential not only in getting Italy into the Axis forces as the main power group of Germany, Italy, and Japan as the main foes of World War II, depending on how you write history, but, you know, the winners write history, and um, influenced Japan to bombing Pearl Harbor, which officially brought the U.S. into the conflict. Um, I think this is a good time just to mention the fact that I have brought up at least once, if not twice, I was wondering if Pearl Harbor would become a part of the conflict in this series, and I read into it a little bit. The reason why the Japanese were so pissed at the U.S. was because they had an allegiance with Germany during World War II before we got involved in the conflict as a whole. Um, FDR, knowing that they were in cahoots with Germany, put oil tariffs on, uh, on Japan and was not supplying them with oil that they were used to getting from the United States, which led to the bombing of Pearl Harbor, which is, again the major event, horrific event that the Japanese took in order to try to control the Pacific. And uh, guess who wasn't having none of it? Fucking us. Hell yeah. Do you remember what Sandy said next? Because I think I might, I don't have it verbatim, but I have pretty damn close. I'm going to let you have it because uh, I have a couple quotes but 
I definitely don't have like a continuation of the quote. You're going to ruin your reputation. You really want to be seen with this or whatever? You're ghetto Jews. You're nothing or whatever. You're controlling. You're worse than Hitler. I believe he snuck a you're a dictator in there. Oh, God, you're a dictator. You're worse than Hitler. Ah. You can see on Herman's face. And he wants to snap. But he and wants. yeah, he controls himself in the presence of his eldest, most disobedient son, not to lash out on him. And yeah, then, he, he, he tough for leaving or whatever, because I said he left and then best. Yo, yo, I'm, I'm telling you, like I said, I was already turned on a little bit or whatever. Like, I'm not trying to say, oh, my God, the violence, but just the backbone right here. She came with the meanest backhand since Serena. I have written down. Best smack the shit out of Sandy. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I was like, oh, fuck. Yo, I just heard, wow. I was like, was it, wasn't this when Philip came in the frame? Yeah, but not after she got off a couple of bars. Oh, man. You never like, think your father's done for you? For our family? Mm-hmm. Uh, I have written down Philip's face. What the fuck? He's just like, oh, my God. Yep. Mm. But then we hard cut out of that. We're, yeah. we're, back, we're back to uh, Ev and Lionel getting ready for dinner. Yeah, we are, man. I mean. <laughs> Lionel's playing the piano. Ev <laughs> comes in looking fine. Wearing his dead wife's jewelry. Do you not like that I have on the jewelry? Is it too much? No, absolutely. I think you look amazing. Not only that, gives her the mink. Dude, that's the grossest shit I've ever seen. <laughs> Why is that, bro? Because you're not respecting your dead wife at that point. You're. He's positioning himself. Already gave her the ring. I mean, shit. Well, that too. But positioning himself to be in a place where. She's happy with the luxury that she's now been craving for a while and now has access to, which seems to be her main goal in all this. And he's allowing her to buy into it so that he can use her presence with himself to then grow his own, you know, root structure into this power structure said structure too many times but you're good get into like him cementing his place in this administration as we're jewish we're here we're going to be a part of the situation and we're going to let our influence be known and that's how they enter the dinner together the state dinner with the german foreign minister Um, I think I have one thing before the dinner that kind of bothered and scared the living hell out of me. Oh, yeah, for sure. 
An FBI agent, as he claims, I wrote claims because I'm like, I don't trust no random motherfucker talking to a child in a car like this or whatever. That is disgusting. As Philip on the way home, which I'm like, what the what the hell is Philip literally like on the way home or whatever? And it's completely dark outside. Like, yo, my mom won't play in that whole like, you know, you being out in the street lights is out shit. Like, no, that was a little confusing where he was coming from for sure. Yeah, that, that was that 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 that's the first thing popped in my head or whatever. I'm like, nah, like mom dudes won't play in that shit or whatever. She's like, you need to be on this porch, like invisible sight by the time these street lights come on or whatever. Or that show sure. We was raised on that, so yeah, th- this was just a little bit wild or whatever. <clears throat> He's asking about, you know, your cousin Alvin. If you know, you know about Hitler. I know you know who that is. Asking about 